I believe the greatest level to get rid of depression, to get rid of worrying, to get rid of being bogged down, is to actually listen to the prophecy of Scripture. Listen to the prophecy of the Word of God in our lives. I want to talk to, about, talk to us today a, a bit about the need for prophecy. I've been hearing, you know, these last couple years, increasing, increasing, people are talking more about prophecy and prophetic and, and the gifts of the prophets and, and the words that are coming out. People are talking more and more, both Christian and non-Christian people. You can see the supernatural uh, perspectives. There's a hunger for it. You see it in some of the churches. Our church, we have a supernatural hunger. I, I don't care. We will not stop at religion. We're going to go after the, the fullness of our hunger for God and the supernatural kingdom come as will be done. But even in the secular world, shows that are popping up, it's amazing how many shows are popping up about supernatural things. Matter of fact, there's very few shows that don't have some trigger now of some supernatural things within it. Many times they're false. But you see, even the demonic realm and the sinful world knows about the supernatural realm. I think one of the groups that probably sometimes knows the least about it is the church. And it saddens my heart because we should actually be experts on the supernatural realm. I feel like we're switching from the sign of a gift of prophecy into the reason why the gift is here to prophesy. We've been hungry, you know, of the prophets, and many of the, 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 the patriarch prophets are passing, passing away. We used to run all the time to a conference where a prophet was speaking to get a prophetic word. We were just so excited. Oh, oh I hope they call me out. Do you remember those moments and times? where you're sitting there in a chair trying to look conspicuous to the prophet so he can call you out of the group. I don't know if you ever did, but I'll be honest, I did. I remember sitting there, you know, a uh, prophet, every time he would glance at me. Or somehow draw the sight of the prophet so I could get a prophetic word. And then I began to realize over the years that I was going to see this person, people, so I could get a word. I actually had words that I weren't fulfilling, wasn't fulfilling. I just wanted reconfirmation of the word as I got reconfirmation of the word before, as I got reconfirmation of the word over and over and over again, till I truly believe at some point God got frustrated and said, I don't give him that word anymore. He ain't doing nothing with it. Three strikes, you're out type of a thing. No, you're not out, but I'll tell you what, if you don't grab the words that are given to you, true prophetic words, sometimes there's a season and a time attached to them. And if God wants something accomplished in his church, in the kingdom, on this earth, he might be tossing that word out to multiple people, but who's going to be the one who grabs it? I truly believe that many, many people had the word to be a great evangelist, but Billy Graham grabbed it. I believe that people, the generation of today, aren't looking just for someone's gift to experience a word. 
I believe that we're moving from known prophets into the church prophesying. Oh, there will always be prophets. That's an office. So today I want to talk about prophecy and the importance that we need daily to have the gift of prophecy. Not hyped up, not a glory club, but the gift of prophecy in its pureness imparted into our lives and that we impart into the people around us. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 11. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. We're going to move into exhortations that are being given to us in the Word of God. First of all, comfort each other and edify one another. Verse 12, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. When you have a leader that is over you or speaking to you, a pastor, whatever you want to call them, and they're not admonishing you and encouraging you, there's something not quite in balance there. It doesn't mean that there's not times of discipline or times of correction. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that if, all, if the main focus of a leader is not encouraging and admonishing you, then you might be working or, or listening to more of a dictatorship rule. That's not what God has called us to be. Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Don't be fighting and bickering. Please, churches, don't be fighting and bickering amongst each other, especially in this season that we're in, but any season. The whole reason of most every denomination has been a split out of some, some group and created a new group because they didn't like what these ones were doing or whatever created it. I want to encourage us. It's fine to have a denomination, but just make sure that we don't think that ours is the only truth and the only right way. That is not kingdom principles, and that is never talked about in Scripture. It is never talked that your way or one group's way is the high way and better than anyone else's way. That would be like saying that the 12 tribes of Israel, that one tribe or two tribes was way more important than others. They weren't. They equally had their positions, and their abilities, and their diversities, which created the strength in the army. Let's just lift up Israel right now. Father, we pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for the wars and rumors of wars that are happening. We pray, Lord God, for this nation of Israel. We pray, Father, for wisdom, for strength, for power. We pray, Lord God, that we will align and aside ourselves with Israel in such a mighty and powerful way, O God. We thank you, Father, that you are the protector. And I pray, Lord God, that great wisdom will come from the presidents and the prime ministers. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. (laughs) Anybody know an unruly person? We don't use the word unruly that much, but maybe more 
stubborn, hypocritical, gossiper, you know, um, just anger, uh, don't listen, disobedient. Those all wrap up to unruly. You tell them, you know, hey, this is what you need to do. Who are you to tell me that? Okay. It's not okay. We exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Stop it. Stop it for your sake and the sake of the family. And comfort the faint-hearted, the ones that have probably been really beat up by the unruly ones. Uphold the weak and be patient with all. Ooh, that's a struggle. I thank the Lord that as I've gotten older, the people around me seem to think I've changed. I, uh, I feel that as people age, there's one of two ways I've watched things happen. One, they get really angry and agitated and really frustrating to be around. Or two, they get so passionate for God that every time they step into the worship service, they just cry. I want to be the, the passionate worship one that just cries in the worship service. I hope and pray I don't become the unru- well, unruly one. Maybe you're saying, well, maybe you're a little unruly now. Verse 15, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. What does that mean? That if someone wronged you, you do not wrong them back because they wronged you. If you do, watch out. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. And then verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is it? Rejoice always. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Maybe you got a virus. I'm still blessed and highly favored. Maybe you just lost your job, but I'm still blessed and highly favored. Because if I let the things, the physical nature around me, dictate who my identity is, I guarantee you, if I lose my job, I'll be bummed out. Actually, if I did lose my job here at Windward, I would be bummed out. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirits. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. How do you not rejoice always? How do you not pray without ceasing? How do you not give thanks in everything? By quenching the Spirit, by despising prophecies, and by not testing and holding on to the good things. See, prophecy is practical. It's practical. It's not some, ooh, here comes the prophet. It's not even getting a name or a date. That's a prophetic gift. I get it. A word of knowledge, yes. But true prophecy of God, it has such gravity of meat in it. It has, it has life in it. And some people don't like Like some denominational groups don't like to use the word prophecy. So they say, well, we're to encourage and exhort. 
Yeah. That's prophecy. And here's some reasons that prophecy is so important in our, our journey in faith as believers. One, prophecy, it gives you and speaks about your purpose. It says that the foundation of the church is built on the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as a chief cornerstone. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 19. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. When you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer a stranger and you are no longer a foreigner. To who? To God. To what? To his kingdom. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and a member of the household of God. And how is this household built? Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. See, we need prophets and we need prophecy because it is how God chooses to build his church on this earth. So when somebody says, I don't need to go to the church, the building, I am the church, you're right, you are the church. But if you don't have anyone else in you, especially apostles and prophets, watch out, you're on shaky ground. Oh, no, no, I don't need anyone speaking into my life. That's actually totally unbiblical. Well, it's only God, and it's only the Holy Spirit that I listen to. That, again, is actually unbiblical. You are taking a scripture passage so far out of context because the majority of scripture is talking about your unity, about coming together, about the gathering of the saints, about two put to flight, one put to flight 1,000, two put to flight 10,000, about where two or three or more are gathered in his name. He is there with us. You're gathering by yourself. Who are you? Oh, well, where's the three? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in me. That makes four. No, that's wonderful. To build self, in, in, to build your, 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 your love and your grace into God's light, into God's love for you, awesome. But gathering of the saints is so vitally important. I truly believe if it wasn't as important as it is, not just for the church, but for society which is why we are in a situation where you can't gather right now because it's destroying society. It's destroying family. It's destroying gathering together. Many of us today look at a religious system that has built churches on three important offices that we must have. And many are comfortable with these three offices, not out of the five, but these three, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. So many of the churches are built on pastors, teachers, and evangelists, but it's not the biblical model of building the church. It's wonderful. We need pastors. We need teachers. We need evangelists, absolutely. But we must not silence and think we can build without apostles and prophets. This is why we must understand the simple definition of the word apostle and the word prophet. 
In a nutshell, the word apostle relates to a mission or a sent one. The word prophet relates to usually some type of a vision. And so if we don't have apostles and prophets, then we actually don't have a mission that is founded on the cornerstone of Christ Jesus. Because the church is founded on what? The cornerstone is Christ built on the apostles and the prophets. Pastors have vision, absolutely. Teachers have vision. Evangelists have vision, absolutely. When you speak to an evangelist vision, I guarantee you, it'll be reaching souls. A lot of times they might not always care as much about what the souls happen afterwards or cleaning the souls and the sheep up. But that's okay, they don't need to. Pastors have a vision for nurturing and cleaning the sheep. Absolutely. Teachers have a vision to be able to teach the Word. Teach the Word of God in mighty ways. But teachers... The gift of a teacher isn't necessarily always the one that needs to or cares to look after the sheep closely. Let me explain. Even in school, when a child acts up, at least in my day, the teacher would scold them. The teacher would give them extra homework, everything else. But when the kid just kept acting up, me, get to the principal's office. Oh, great. Because the principal was going to teach me something different than the teacher was allowed to do. And yes, I got spanked, literally, like across my hands. That was what happened. I put my hands on the desk, and he'd take off his belt and whap. Imagine if the principal did that today. Whew. You know what, though? I needed it. Because the teacher tried talking me into submission, I'm going to say. <laughs> but I was a stubborn little brat. And I thank the Lord I actually got disciplined. Because I needed it. Basically, God wants every human being to be armed and equipped with a mission and a vision. He has called you with a mission and a vision. Because without a mission and a vision... You will struggle with the big question in your life. What am I to do on this earth? What am I called? What's my calling? What, what should I do, God? Not that we don't ask questions, but when it becomes a lifestyle of who we are, and you come and tell me, I, I just don't know my calling, I, I, da, 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 then you don't have vision and you don't know your purpose. Apostolic and prophetic bring it, vision and purpose. They bring the foundations of God's answers to satisfying this deep longing and for hunger that vision and purpose have. Another thing that we need and that prophecy helps us with is identity. See, salvation is more than a belief system. Salvation is critical. It gets us into the family of God. But salvation is more than a belief system. Salvation is more than just a moral code. Salvation is more than just a philosophy. Salvation is an entirely new creation. That when we become saved through Jesus Christ, we become new creatures. This is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, the priest, 
You must be born again. Let's take a look at it. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read the whole story. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This was a priest. This was a high-ranking official in the church government. Verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night. Why by night? He might have been just a weeny bit nervous for anybody else to see him coming to Jesus. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's an interesting answer to a statement this rabbi Nicodemus gave. So verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? How can he be born? Like, do you go into the womb again? Like, how does this work? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said, said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born in the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Like, these are basic things, he's saying. Verse 11, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. Listen to that. We speak what we know and we testify what we have seen. You want a greater understanding of who you are? Speak the word of God and testify what you have seen in the miraculous realm. Even if you pull a miracle up from 10 years ago, speak about it. Tell people about it. Because we need to get ourselves retuned and retrained into the season that we're in now where prophecy is a vital part of encouraging and exhorting the people that are around us. End of verse 11. And you do not receive our witness. Verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? If you let depression become your lifestyle... I'm going to tell you something. That is not kingdom mentality or kingdom theology. You are chosen and highly favored. You are blessed and highly favored. You are a son. You are a daughter. Depression does not belong anywhere near you. Defeatism does not belong anywhere near you. You are not called to be defeated. You are called as a victor. You don't even have to get victory. You already have the victory. You just got to walk in the victory that God already gave us. You need victory over your thoughts, absolutely, by renewing your mind in Christ Jesus. 
I've told you these earthly things, and yet you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Who is in heaven. Where was Jesus, the Son of Man, on earth, in heaven? <laughs> came down. Heaven on earth, in Jesus. Perfect example, perfect theology, the life of Jesus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Repeated in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Don't spend your focus and time condemning the world. That is not your destiny as a son and a daughter of the King. It is not your destiny to pick out all the sin and, all, and condemn the world and pick out all the problems and pick out all the issues and look at all the things that are going on and bad decisions in our governments and all this stuff and let that become a gospel in your life. That is a lying and deceiving gospel of hell. Because I'll guarantee you that when our mind stays focused on all the problems and the issues, the problems and the issues become our fight, but they're actually not our fight. We, the fight is between our ears and God, and we're to bring out the light from heaven, and we bring it into our life, and when we walk on this earth, we are walking lights unto this earth, and darkness cannot stand in light. You want to win a battle in the, on this earth? I tell you what, be light. Be light. I'm not saying that people don't get called to rise up and, and fight the laws that are, that, are, that are just being unbelievably thrown around right now. But I want to say that if you're letting the things of this earth force you into a condemned lifestyle or condemning people, what's a condemned lifestyle? It's condemned to jail or prison or death or you have condemned supernaturally prison and death in your own life by focusing on all the problems and the issues. Can you imagine the life of Jesus if he had focused on all the governmental issues and problems and sins and things that were going on? He would have been, 99% of his day would have been, you hypocrites and the Pharisees, Sadducees, you hypocrites, you don't know what you're doing. How come you government, you're, you, you, you don't know what you're doing? And he would have been going and he would have been protesting. He would have been rising up. He would have been yelling and condemning everybody out there. It's interesting, though, that Jesus didn't. I'm not against protesting. I'm not against even speaking out against the laws or the wrongdoings of people in the governments. What I'm saying is that if it becomes your, your, your lifestyle, it becomes your identity, you're listening to a lying gospel of who you are. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You want to not be loved by the world? Be light. Be light. Yeah, but passive Christianity, 
has given us this wrong theology. We just sit back and do nothing. That is not what I'm talking about. But there's a couple ways to win a fight. I'm going to win it like Jesus won it. I want to win it like the disciples won it. How is that? Going after all the wrongs or walking and living in the rights and bringing truth to the darkness? Verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. When you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not just forgiven and then sent out to try to live in a holy life. That's not your destiny. Oh, I got Jesus in me. I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop swearing. I'm going to stop all this stuff. I'm going to stop all this stuff. I'm going to stop all this stuff because I'm going to live a holy, holy, holy life. I tried stopping it all in my life. And usually two, three, four, five days later, I'm asking for forgiveness for the same thing that I tried to stop because I thought I need to live a holy life and this is the holy life people talk to me about. And then I came to a realization and an understanding. I can't stop. Only way that can happen is no more me left in me. I have to get rid of me and become like him. I have to get rid of myself and become like Christ in, in my life. Because I don't have earthly strength to just stop everything. I need God. I need his word. I need Holy Spirit. Because I need to be transformed into a new creature. A new creation in Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been reborn into the very nature, the very DNA of God's family. So if you know Jesus, you carry the DNA. You get swabbed and tested in your mouth. It's going to go, oh, positive family of God's. That's the changing of the DNA of the kingdom of God in us. This new birth of salvation is so entirely new and so entirely different that you don't even know who you are or what you are truly capable of. I live and try to live with that understanding every day that I am a new creation every single day. What do I mean? I'm losing my salvation? No, I am growing step by step, day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, however it is. I am growing. And the newness that comes into me, I don't even know what that's going to look like. I don't know what I'm truly capable of. If I did then I wouldn't be learning and growing. 
That's why I get so, so bothered by the know-it-alls. You know anyone that just knows everything about everything, but yet they actually don't know what they're talking about. Like uh, someone comes up to me and says, oh, yeah, yeah, you got car problems? Yeah, actually I do, you know, that, oh, oh, well, well just, uh, it's probably the headlight fluid. People are thinking, well, what's wrong with headlight fluid? Well, ask your garage to check your headlight fluid. See if it's low or empty, because if you don't, you could have a problem with your car. So if you think your headlight fluid might be low, just phone a mechanic right after the service or a friend and ask them, how do I check my headlight fluid? <laughs> okay, 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 I just can't contain it. Because someone's going to say, the guy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about up there. There is no headlight fluid, okay? There are some cars that have headlight washers. Because when you don't know who you are, what you are, you'll become who the people of authority say you are. You're a contagious carrier. Oh. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. But I want to tell you what, you should be contagious. You should be so contagious that everyone around you gets absolutely filled with what you're carrying. You should be so contagious that everyone around you gets the injection of the pureness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should be so contagious that you take off the mask of lack of identity and you bring out the face that Bible prophesies to you because that face is the face of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, get infected Gather around and hang close to people that are infected with the presence of God. Gather around and get close. Be a part of the family with apostles and prophets. Because when you hang with the right people, they will prophesy over you and they will speak to you that you are more than a conqueror. 
that you walk with power. You walk with authority of the name of Jesus Christ. That that cancer that is in you is out of you in Jesus' name. That you are blessed and highly favored. I don't know if when you were being brought up, I'm a missionary kid. We didn't always have a lot of food or a lot of money. And my mom would work hard at making do with the food that we had. Amazing how many different things that a, a mother or a father that knows how to cook can, can do with rice or beans or potatoes. And I remember as a kid, sometimes after hours of working, my mom would bring us the food to the table Whenever my mom filled my plate, she always filled it full. And I actually was a big eater. I, I still like to eat. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about lunch right now. At least you don't have to end the service early to get to the restaurant first. Uh, we don't have restaurants open. So the lineups aren't that big to get in. I remember I'd eat. If I didn't really like it all that much, I was thinking more about the dessert I smelt in the kitchen. My mom, my dad, you eat everything on that plate. Anyone ever heard that before? Because there are starving children that would love that food. Oh, it's a guilt trip. Eat because of the starving children. If you really think about the principle now as an adult, I think we should have boxed some of it up and sent it to the starving children so I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. The plates... The banqueting table is full. It's got more food than any one of us could eat in a lifetime. And God is calling us to his banqueting table to sit down with him and eat all that heaven has for us. You are blessed and highly favored. And I pray. I just opened my Bible randomly. I love it when God does this. My bookmarks are all in different places. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. 
and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Isaiah 44, 3. God doesn't lie. That's a truth. That's a prophecy that you and I need to hear. God is pouring water on you if you're thirsty. And when he pours the water on you, it overflows to the dry ground around you. So when you are being watered and filled, interesting, one of the scriptures I read earlier was you need to be reborn by water and the Spirit. Kind of fun how God's sort of pulling Old Testament and New Testament, how prophecy bridges the two. I haven't finished my message on the importance of prophecy. I will, either next week or later. I will pour water on any one of you that are thirsty. I want you to ask yourself right now, are you thirsty? Well, not really. I, I, I got a lot. That's not the question. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for the fullness, the increased presence of God in your life? If you're a know-it-all, then you're not going to say you're thirsty. I want to tell you, get rid of that thought pattern. Get rid of the understanding or the thought that I already know everything. No, we don't. I am so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. I want more. I want more. Oh God, pour out the rivers of living water. Pour out from heaven the blessings. My cup is big. And I want my cup full and overflowing. And maybe I thought my cup was full and overflowing. But you know what? There's always more. There's always more. There's always more in the kingdom of God. So my cup can overflow to the dry and thirsty grounds around me. And I can preach the gospel of Jesus. I can be a shining light. Not walking around your dry ground. Yeah, it's a problem. No. I know the solution. You don't walk around looking at the problems. As a believer, you walk around as the solutioner. Probably not such a word, but it sounded good like an executioner. Solutioner! You grab your sword, shield, put on the breastplate, 
of righteousness. And you walk as if you are a solutioner of Jesus Christ in you. I see people right now releasing burdens and weights being taken off their shoulders and their backs. Sicknesses being taken out of the bodies. I even see death sentences being revoked. You might think, is that a See, for the death penalty, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about listening to the wrong gospel becomes a death sentence to truth in your life. And we need the right news media. And you find it right here. also talking about doctors reports of death is on its way being revoked and saying no no my healing is on its way in Jesus name in Jesus name I pray O oh Lord that we live knowing that we all are blessed and highly favored. And that you have spoken through prophets and the prophecy of Scripture that we are sons and daughters of the King. And maybe you're watching right now and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you what, you need to find the truth gospel. His name is Jesus Christ. The one who over 2,000 years ago got sentenced to death but was guilty of no sin. What he took to the cross in his sentencing was your sin. You are guilty of those sins. But when Jesus Christ died on that cross, He forgave you. God forgave you of your sins. And when He rose again, He gave you the promise of eternal life in Him. I want to encourage you right now if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior believe on him right now receive him into your heart, into your mind into your soul and just say I believe in you Jesus forgive me from my sins cleanse me 
from my unrighteousness. I receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you've just been a struggling Christian. I want to tell you right now that your destiny isn't struggling. Your destiny is the victory of a son, a daughter, your destiny. You've been called with purpose. You've been called to walk with great authority and power in the Word of God. If you've been feeling weak, burdened, heavy laden, shake it off right now and say, I refuse to walk from the gospel of a lying devil gospel I will hear and believe is that I am set free and I am free indeed through the saving grace of Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior I want to encourage you don't shut this podcast off or this video off without making a change this is the day that the Lord has made and in Him we rejoice and be glad in it. Bless you all. Have an amazing week.